Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. We're going to keep today quick and sweet for the intro. As always, please make sure you follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. Follow me on TikTok, Felix Levine. My YouTube channel, you can watch all video versions of every single podcast there. And let's get into today's fantastic episode and my guest today. She is a true trailblazer and is the first female color commentator in UFC history. I'm honored to be able to call her a friend. And this is her third time on the podcast and the first in a couple of years. Please welcome Laura Sanko. And we're live. Laura, first of all, it's good to see you. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see you on a personal level, but thank you again for, for trekking out to, uh, to Brooklyn for the first time or Always. second time. Yeah, second time, but first, first time in this studio, which in is this studio. fantastic. So thank you for having me. Thank you. I was on the way over. I was trying to remember. Actually, the truth is I was trying to remember how old you were when we first met because I remember being alarmed at how young, how young you were. Like the first well, time we interacted. The first time. Ta- I think I was time we met. 20 or 21. Yeah, I think you were 20. So now I'm 23, about to be 24. Yeah. Look at you, all grown up. <laughs> all grown stuff and all grown I know. stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. I was thinking about it too. Like, I, I guess we've known each other now for like three, I guess it was right after COVID or during COVID maybe. Yeah, I think I probably during COVID. I don't really remember, I, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know, but uh, but it's been so cool to see everything because we've been – Weirdly enough, like through the big milestones, yeah, like in contact or like right before, I feel like I've seen you or right after. I feel like I've seen you, which which makes, which makes like I'm always rooting. But then when it like I see it happen, it's yeah. like ten times more exciting. It's been really serendipitous timing. It's been weird almost that like before, yeah, before the contender series thing happened, before it was always like for some reason, and I wouldn't hear from you for months. <laughs> it's not like we talk all the time, but you know, like something will come up and we'll just like ping each other. I know. And it was always the craziest timing. Well, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. I was in, so this was 2021, probably about August. Uh-huh. And I went to Vegas for some reason. And I went to the contender, actually, you, I think you got, helped me get a ticket yeah, to yeah, the contender yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. And then... I think you had just landed and you called me. I'm like, oh, like, what's going on? And you're like, you'll never guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm calling the fights for the first time on Tuesday. Yeah. And I think it was like maybe, I think it was actually Monday. It was so freaking, cra- so crazy that you were there. So it was, crazy. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, that's really exciting. I don't yeah. remember what was supposed to happen before. But I'm like, wait, this is super exciting. Like, go focus, go prep, like, go do your thing. And then... I was there, like, I was literally in the room for the first time. And I remember, like, seeing you, like, sprint from the desk (laughs) to the back to do the interviews to the, like, and nonstop. And, like, you, it really became, like, your show in a lot of ways. Because we weren't calling the fights cage side that year. We hadn't moved downstairs yet. So I was was still coming from upstairs, running down a hallway, down a flight of stairs, through another hallway, out to the octagon, announcing the winner, and then running to my interview spot. It was, yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember this, too. Dana had posted and you were getting like a ton of people on socials like first female color commentator Mm -hmm. and Dana had posted you and I think I was the first one who had actually showed you like some of the socials and and for me that was so cool because it was like seeing somebody that is now like a friend do their 
blossom in a way right in front yeah. of you is is pretty pretty amazing it was cool it was yeah it was it was crazy that that happened the way that it did i mean all of it just the way that all of this has unfolded has been in many ways like weirder and greater and better than i ever could have expected i remember one time we're on the phone and and i think it was you you were like i'm not sure like if these things will ever happen. Yeah. And and there is and that's kind of what I want to want to dive into as well is like as and I think for is I learned from you that no matter how confident, no matter how skilled, no matter how much you believe in yourself, mm-hmm. there's also always going to be moments of those self-doubts of like sure. can I actually do this? And I think like the fact that it happened and it happened I think a lot quicker than you might have ever mm-hmm. imagined. I like to take credit and say that I told like I told you so. You did. Um, <laughs> you did. But I don't know for you like does does it still feel have you have you let it sink in are you do you feel the the pride and the you know you should be proud of yourself for yeah, for what you've done. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely feel I definitely feel proud of it of of what's happened and what I've been able to accomplish. And there's it's it's a whole array of emotions yeah. because at times it's like you know I pinch myself. I, I've quit doing it out, you know, outwardly because that gets weird. But like, I, I pinch myself. You know, I'm working with all these people that, for so long, I was just a fan at home, sitting on my couch watching on on TV. And now these are like, these are my coworkers, yeah. and you know, and I'm calling fights alongside these guys. And so there's there's that. There's like the pinch me part of it. Then there's the part that was like, I I knew that I was capable of it all along. I was very confident in that. For me, it was always a matter of, will they let me? Like, will this, will they see the possibility of what I see and Mm -hmm. trust? And like, I was, I'm not so naive as to not understand that it was kind of a wild thing to be like, hey guys, I know I've never fought in the UFC. And hey guys, I know you've never had a woman in this position. And if you did, it probably would be a woman that fought in the UFC. And I am neither of those things, but I'm your gal, you know? To go out there and and have the chutzpah to put that out into the universe um, and then to do all of the work, the, an extraordinary amount of work to back it up and like earn the respect. Uh, I am really proud of that. I am really proud of it. But at the same time, what what's funny is I knew like going into the pay-per-view in particular, yeah. and that's how that came about. It's a whole thing. Um, but I remember like having this conversation with myself, like, don't, don't make this a bigger thing than it is. Right. Both in terms of I didn't want to get nervous and psych myself out, but also like I don't know if it's my age or <laughs> probably my age. Uh you you get to a point where you realize that like this thing that you've wanted, this this thing, like this very specific moment or accomplishment or goal, you start to realize that the thing is not the thing. And it's really been, it sounds very cliche to say, but it really is always about the striving and not the thing. And I think that's why a lot of people who don't, I guess, come to terms with that and come to peace with that and almost find the beauty in that have a really hard time with feeling a sense of like really of fulfillment when they do reach the thing because they want this euphoria to last and like I'm supposed to feel a certain way I'm supposed to 
and you do, you know, briefly, but then you wake up the next morning and it's yeah. like life, life goes on. And, you know, so you have to, I, I was really cognizant of like making sure that I appreciated as much as I could the process of that week, but also the process of the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. Does it feel deflating when it doesn't last longer than not you thought it would? Not if you're prepared for it. Right. Not if you're prepared for it. But I, I, it, I think it can for a lot of people. And I think it would have for me if I had just been like solely focused on that moment, you know, that one, that one day. You know, a day goes by pretty fast. Right. And then, you know, you're not ever, especially in my case, like I can't recreate being the first, you know, female commentator again. It's never going to be as special or as specifically special as right. that. I'm going to have other cool things that I do. I know that. But um, I just didn't want to wrap up too much of my perception of fulfillment and happiness in this thing that like is going to be gone like that. So did you did it feel different on the pay-per-view like the lead up going walking into the arena or afterwards than any other event or any other time? Yes and no. I mean, obviously, like, no in the sense that the job is the job. I mean, right. the prep is the same. I, I prepped. That's not true. I prepped probably a little harder for this, but I prep I prep a lot for everything I do, whether right. it's a five-night or five-fight night of Contender Series or, you know, 13 fights on a big pay-per-view. Um, but I probably I, – I, I went the extra, extra mile on this one. Um, but that being said, like, the job is the job. And then – there was definitely a lot more surrounding this, you know, more media and things like that, but it felt it felt right at the same time. Yeah. Like I wasn't I wasn't freaking out. I wasn't overly nervous. It was a weird I don't think I've ever felt that way to be honest with you. Maybe honestly, maybe the contender series, maybe even though that was so last minute yeah. and I wasn't as prepared for that as I would have liked to have been because I had no idea I was going to be calling those fights. Um it was a simultaneous like, this is really cool, and this is awesome, and this is a lot, but also, like, I got this, you know, very, I don't know. It's a weird dynamic to have in your mind, but that's how I felt. Do you feel like, I mean, now you, you've you at least one time through mm -hmm. kind of checked every box that you can at the, U like, yeah. at the UFC, <laughs> no. really? Yeah. Like, yeah. does it feel just as exciting do you do you want is it like i uh, now i want to check them all off again what's the um what's that mindset i think if i were to if i were to just i'm not gonna be but if i were to be done to me be done tomorrow i would be really happy with what i've accomplished yeah. if i were to just be like peace out guys i'm gonna go be a mom you know i'd be really happy with it that being said that's not my plan um because <laughs> more than anything to be honest with you I don't want, <laughs> this sounds terrible, but like, I don't want people to look back and be like, oh, she only did one. She must have really sucked. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, but once you do 10, you're like, I know, yeah, she only I know, did 10. I know. So I know I've had that conversation with myself where I'm like, okay, what's the number, Laura? What's the number? So I don't know what yeah, the number is. Yeah, what is the number? Is. Is. I don't know what the number is. And I actually, I don't know when I'll get to do a pay per view again. I mean, I'm calling fights consistently for yeah. fight nights. That's a thing. I'm not a reporter anymore. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. I do, I still do like, occasional reportery type things like this weekend I am but I'm not an on-camera reporter anymore so I just I just do the analyst work I do the desk and I commentate 
Now, how many pay-per-views I get to do next year, I have no idea. So who so who gave you the call when you were doing the pay-per-view? So my boss did. Um, and it was interesting because I was actually preparing to call fights in July, I think, like July 1st or 2nd. And I was in fighter meetings for those fights. And so, excuse me, when I saw his name come up on my phone, I was like, he knows I'm in fighter meetings. Why would we call it? So I I picked up, like I muted my mic. It was it was over Zoom. I was like, hey, I'm in fighter meetings. Can I call you back? And he was like, no. Um, you know, how would you feel about doing the Sydney pay-per-view? And I was just like, um, yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so I have no idea. Obviously, I'm not... I'm not the A team, so something must have happened. But it also wasn't last minute. Like I've, I knew since July, and it was in September. So like there was several months uh, of. I just didn't say anything about it because yeah. more than anything, I was worried that like something would change because even I mean, you've seen how this I know. company works. Like it's, stuff, it's... so much stuff changes last minute. I was like, I'm not gonna say shit about this until it's like right about to happen. Who did you Who did you do the the uh, Sydney card with? A uh, DC and Anik. DC and Anik. Yeah. What was and you had never done it with Sean. You'd done it with DC before Correct. on Contender. Yes. I I had I had like obviously I've been around John a yeah. lot and he had hosted um a weigh in show that I'd been on as an analyst. Um but no, I'd never had the chance to call fights with him. And I I had called with DC though for Contender. And I and I will say that actually this time last year I had uh I did an episode with John at the Fighter Hotel. Oh, did you? Um and he He's was amazing. so he was so complimentary of you. Um, oh, that's cool. And you know, him and I were just we're just like yeah we're we're fans. Like she's that's she's cool. the best. And and I think it was so cool for me to to then see you guys work together. Yeah. Because I love I love John. I think you know he's one of the best ever in this world and sports commentating. In I general. say this all the time, and I wish people really understood. Like when I say this, the amount of of work and care and detail and research yep. and professionalism that that guy brings to every single show that he does it's unbelievable. is unbelievable, unbelievable. Like I pride myself on being stupidly well-researched yep. and he will still say something where inward, I, I'm not like competitive with me, with him, but inwardly I'm like, man, how did I miss this? <laughs> God, I should have known that, you know, <laughs> like it's, he's it's, so good. It's the, I, I think what I admire from him too is like the, his use of language. Oh, I'm like, holy, f I'm like, how did you put like those five words that have nothing to do with fighting into a sentence with that knockout? That job is so much more difficult in many yep. ways. Like you have to have a very specific knowledge skill set to do the color, but play by play, um, even even what Megan O'Leavy does, like and, and Karen O'Brien, like anyone who is a host or but play by play chief among them. You have to have such a ridiculous skill set yeah. to be good at that. Yeah. And he's so smooth. Like I did play by play two or three times for Invicta. I never wanted to touch that position ever again <laughs> because I don't it's I hard. don't articulate things mm. as smoothly enough, as quickly enough. Like his transitions are just like butter. I yeah. I can't I can't say enough good things. When you're first working, because you had previously worked with DC, but when you work with John for the first time, yeah. how are you kind of measuring out the rhythm and how to fit in in a in a new trio like yeah. that? Because that's tricky. It is tricky. And I mean, John obviously makes it easy because he's yeah. so good at what he does. It's yeah. almost like it's a lot like dancing with someone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got a professional dancer that I mean they're gonna make you look good. And that's kind of how I felt. I mean, same thing with DC, even though I had worked with him before. Yeah. I felt that way the first time I worked with him, 
you know, he just made it really, really smooth. And I, you know, one thing I still, I don't want to say struggle, but still am cognizant of is finding my perfect lane, you know, in moments like that where I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a, the guy with the belt around my waist, right? I'm not, I don't have a huge voice, lit, like a literal voice. My voice is not that loud or big. And, you know, I, I think I'm aware that the audience wants slightly different things from me than they would from a DC or a Joe Rogan or like, and so I'm trying to, you know, get really good at getting in touch with like my authentic voice, but also understanding how that is different than what those guys bring in that, in that role. What do you think the audience wants to hear from you? I think, I think people have, and I didn't do this on purpose, so it works out really well because it really is authentic. <laughs> um, I think because I've always been maybe trying to overcompensate for my lack of on paper credentials that I, that's why I, well, I would have anyway, cause I'm kind of OCD like that, but I, I will, I've always gone the extra mile in terms of like preparation and not just like understanding someone's backstory, but like in this role, deep diving into their technique mm. and spending stupid amounts of time just like dissecting the combinations that they do and where they do them and why they why would they do it that way and like honestly it, a level of detail that you really don't have time for on a broadcast but because it's like I put it in my brain and then at least it's there if I need it and so I think I found that the I think people enjoy that I kind of am nerdy about it and like I think I sort of speak to the in the weeds fan a little bit, but also like I like to have fun and, you know, say stupid things too. I do think one of the the things that I really have learned from you is it's because kind of what you just said about like credentials yeah. or like, like you came from like a New York City VC kind of background right yeah. before, correct? Yeah. And then here we are. How many years ago was that? Like seven, eight? Th that I was doing the VC yeah. stuff? Yeah. Oh, I, that wish, was longer. I wish it was only that. <laughs> I, was, I lived in New York in 2008. So, yeah. Right. So, like, uh, 2006 to 2008. Same thing. Almost. And, uh, Coming up on 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still a ways away. Um, but I think, like, I, the adjustments. Yeah. Like, your ability to adjust. And I don't know if that's something that you're cognizant of or you try to do or you try to work on. Mm -hmm. But like that I think is is one of the hardest skills really that there is because adjustments mean that you're like processing data and then mm -hmm. like therefore changing your behavior very quickly based off that. Yeah. And like I imagine for you on a fight night when you're doing it with a new trio or in a new role or a new position, a new environment, like yeah. you have, you're doing that literally the entire time, not to mention during the fights, every fight is different. Yeah. So like the adjustment, do you feel like that is something that you've cognizantly like worked on or is something that you're just innately born with? Um, Probably a little bit of both. I, I, I'd, I'm so dialed in on a fight night. Yeah. Like, cause I just, again, I don't, I feel I was going to check myself on this, but I think it's true. Like I have a shorter leash than anybody else does because I don't have a belt. And and, I'll, and I do think there's an element of like being a woman, but I, particularly a woman with no obvious like, you know, UFC fights to point to. 
So if I screw up and I say something wrong, I'm an absolute dipshit. You know, if DC screws up and says something wrong, it's like, oh, he just made a mistake. Like, obviously he knows that. He just said it wrong, you know? But that, I will never get that level of leash. I see. So there's definitely a part of me that is so cognizant of that because it's happened before (laughs) Um, that like I'm really, really dialed in because I know that my margin for error is like, "Mm," Do you really... And that's not to say, I still screw up. I do. I'm not saying I haven't. Because it's hard. You're on I'm just an trying eight to really hour trying to mimi- Really trying to minimize it. But like what, when you say like I, I screw up, like what, what would that look like? Just a on position? Ele- yeah, no, yeah. Like on an LFA card, um, I called a Granby roll and an Imanari roll. And I know the difference between the two. Of course I do. They're very different things. I just, the wrong thing came out of my mouth. Uh. And the problem with broadcasting is if you then go back and try to like, yeah, oh, yeah. wait, no, guys, I meant it was this. Uh-huh. And I, I really do know the difference. <laughs> and like, I swear, I'm a brown belt, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just sound like you're, yeah. it makes it worse. So you have to just like let it live and hope that Twitter doesn't kill you, but they do. Do you, do, <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten a lot of, have you, how have you felt that the response has been from, from fans? It's been Probably good. It's overall good. Of yeah. course, there's always the insult trolls, I imagine. Yeah, no, it's, it's been overall good. You know, I think... That was definitely the thing I was most nervous about because I knew, I know I can do the job, but, you know, I'm, at the end of the day, in addition to the nerdiness I already talked about, like the biggest thing I want people to feel like when they hear me talk is that I'm as big of a fan as they are, if not bigger. And as a fan, I wouldn't want to have someone plopped on the broadcast and be like, oh my God, this ruins my experience, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, so there's, I'm sure there's a handful of people out there be like, yeah, you did that. Thanks. Congrats. <laughs> um, but I, that's probably the thing I was most nervous about is because I knew that I could go out there and, you know, say lots of really interesting things and have good insights and and not screw anything up and and you know do everything right or as close to as right as I could and there would still be a certain percentage of people that were not into it and I had no control over that I had no and I had no idea whether that would be five percent or 70 percent or 90 percent I had no idea so um that was the thing I was definitely most nervous about is just I'm not you know I'm not too uh what's the word I'm looking for it's not hard for me to admit that like I I want I want people to like me. Like I want people to think I'm good at what I do, but not just because I want people to like me. I want people to like their experience watching the UFC, you know. I, so, so that was what I was nervous about. So it's less about them liking you and more about them liking the yeah, experience. Yeah, no, it is more about them. I mean, because I think if they like the experience, then, right. they'll like, then they'll also like me, hopefully. But yeah, they don't have to like me as a person. I just want them to know that, you know, I love the sport as much, if not even more than they do. Do you feel like you have to, like, they're walking on eggshells, though? That, like, you have to always be minding your P's and Q's perhaps more than anybody else Anybody else on that, the talent team? Yeah, a little bit. Um, part of that's just being newer, you know? Yeah. I think the more engraved you are in that role, the more like people will be forgiving of your flaws and foibles. Um, definitely think that like, because I'm not a known entity still to like the broader audience, right? There's the the fight past right. diehards right. that knew me from day one. And then the audience grew to the ESPN plus. Yeah. And then it grew to the fight night watchers, you know, but I knew that there's a big part of the fan base that only tunes in for 
pay-per-views who might be like, who on earth is this? <laughs> and what what business does she have being here? You know? So I uh yeah, I'm always I'm always cognizant of that. But that all of that being said, I will tell you that like I was blown away by how overwhelming overwhelmingly positive it was. There's always gonna people who are gonna shit on stuff. Well what you're doing is is difficult and I think that anybody that has a little bit of compassion can under also understand that like even even if you if you blunder like like John and like DC Ken as well that like you're okay like you're yeah you're well, you're a human it's not too. Like that night was without its flaws. Like I could go I'm back sure. and sit there well, and, and tell a, you it's I an eight hour it's an eight hour broadcast. Yeah. yeah. What was there one moment from your first pay per view that you were extremely proud of? A sentence, like a, yeah. a a one liner. Yeah, I don't know about a one liner, but like it was pretty cool to have Connor, you know, tweet out. Oh, and oh yeah, he t- yeah. What do you say? I forget. Um, something. Oh, it was spins the chin, but nothing to do. Which I don't even know when I said that. I'm assuming I was doing a. I was re, I was going through a highlight, maybe. When I I don't know. Maybe it was during the fight. I have no idea. But that was cool to see. Honestly, moments like that. It's it's really funny because it's like. I, I didn't see that until after because I'm not ever on my phone during a fight. I can't yeah. multitask yeah. like that. But afterwards, I was like, oh, shit. Wow. Conor McGregor was I'm like, of course he's watching the <laughs> fight floor. Like he watches every pay-per-view, of course. Little moments like that where like I never really had put two and two together how many how many people would be watching and, and, and taking it in. Um, that was cool. The, it was funny because, you know, you and I talk have talked a lot about like manifesting and all that type of stuff. And even that week, so there was like several things that I would just, I so desperately wanted and not for, for nothing but like good reasons. And a couple of them I don't want to talk about, but like those happened and it was awesome. And then it was just like personal stuff. And then for the fights themselves, I literally, I was like, I just want there to be like one moment, at least one moment where a lot of people will go, oh shit, she knew that. Because, and then you got to understand like my expertise in terms of like where I can kind of shine a little bit is in grappling, grappling technique. That entire card, (laughs) there wasn't a single grappler on that entire card. As I started studying it, I was like, striker versus striker, striker versus striker, striker versus sometimes grapples, but really never grapples, like the whole card. And then luckily... Who who chose who to grapple and, and submit someone? Now I'm going to forget. It was Volkov. Volkov, oh, when with, he... The uh, Ezekiel choke. On Tai Tuivasa. On Tai Tuivasa. Oh, yeah. And the fact that I was able to spit that out... Um, a little bit before DC yeah. saw it, and I was like, oh, "Thank you, thank you." I just needed, I just needed one moment to point to where people wouldn't be like, "Oh, oh, I guess she does like maybe know more than we think," because a lot of times, you're, you're, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that you say during a fight that isn't necessarily rocket science. It's observational. Maybe it's not rocket science to me. Like that's, I guess that's the thing is like, I wanted to say something that was so in the weeds (laughs) that even most people would be like, oh, okay. She's got like a certain level of understanding here. Okay. But when, when do you think that you need to stop proving yourself? Oh God. I I don't know that I ever will. That's a (laughs) great, but do you think it's all you? That's a great question. I don't know. I, I, let's try to figure that out. Uh, Cause okay. My thought 
if you're asking. Yeah. Is that I think, I, I agree, like, this is A, it's a very male-dominated on the talent, specifically on the broadcast. Yeah. Obviously. Um, so, like, you know, and you're newer to it, mm-hmm. so there's obviously, like, you want to prove yourself, but, like, shit, I don't know, you've been doing this for some time now and you've yeah. and you've ha- and you've gotten your reps in and like you know everybody at the company you know everybody down the entire roster like i don't know at some point i as your friend i'm kind of like yeah i just want you to like <laughs> relax <laughs> and like enjoy an event without having to feel that yeah you have to prove to xyz person that you know what you're doing i think it's it's it'll be a while <laughs> if i'm being honest it'll be a while i and it, it probably is internal but you also said it would be a while until you would get on a fight night or That's a pay-per-view true. and did in like 12, 24 months. That's a good point. That's a good – so maybe maybe check in, in in a year or two <laughs> and, and I'll be in a better spot. But yeah, I – and there's definitely – I think there's always been a part of my personality. I mean like I could walk you through like literally from age two to age – I'm almost 41. I'll be 41 in a couple of weeks. Like my entire life I can point to so many instances where my chief motivation in doing anything cool was like – I just want to prove that I can. But to who? To you or to, to others? To all sorts of people. To my, When I was young, it was always to my older brother. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meets. They just recently revamped their website, so everything that I'm about to tell you can be found at their all-new and improved uswellnessmeets.com website. At uswellnessmeets.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeets.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves, and now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. I guess like looking... perhaps for validation yeah no i'm sure yeah that's definitely a thing i don't really know why that has been such a big driver for me um yeah that part i probably need to dive into with my therapist a little bit deeper (laughs) i don't know but it's manifested itself in this in the sense that like i've always wanted to prove that i could keep up prove that i could do what the boys are doing like i mean all the time and a lot of times i will i'll be really attracted to something that i know is kind of beyond my capabilities and I'm just delusional enough I guess to think that like I can figure out a way to make it happen anyway I've done that before so yeah it's kind of a strange motivation other than other than the UFC yeah what is there one other moment that you're maybe most proud that you proved someone wrong or um prove that you could do xyz well fighting in general I mean yeah there wasn't like a specific person that said I wouldn't be able to do it, but like it was definitely a thing that, you know, kind of got chuckled about a lot, you know, when I was first training. 
Um, and I don't know. There's, there's just always been, I, there's always been a willingness to like, I'm going to, if I want something, I will figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. Even if I, and, and most of the time that involves backdooring and like finding out a way to, a way to outwork people. So like, this is a weird example that's totally unrelated to MMA. But when I was in college, I was a music major. Uh, back to the nerdy stuff. Isn't it piano? Yes. I was a piano performance major at first. I graduated with a business degree because I realized that I was not going to make any money as a piano no. performance major. Um, but I really, really wanted to be, we had this um, touring choir that you could audition for. And they did this really cool tour of all the cathedrals in the United Kingdom. Not all of them, but like lots of cathedrals in the UK and like, it was just, I really wanted to be in that choir. I do not have a good solo voice at all whatsoever, period. Don't make me prove it. It's terrible. <laughs> but I can obviously read music and I understand harmony and like I can match tone really well, but I cannot sing by myself for anything. Okay. So my audition was not good. <laughs> it was not good. And I knew it was not good. Do you have video from it? Nope. Thank God. <laughs> and I really, I knew that. I knew that I wasn't going to make it and I didn't make it, but I really, really like all my good friends were in it. I really wanted to make it happen. So I went to the, uh, conductor and I was like, who was also one of the professors at the college. And I was like, Hey, Dr. Epley, um, I really would like to make this happen. Is there any way, would you be willing to give me, you know, some voice lessons and maybe I can kind of get myself to a spot where I might be able to squeeze my way in there. And he had me sing a little bit there. It was still like just as bad. And we talked for a while. And I I don't know. I don't remember what it was. But like clearly the fact that I had taken the time to find him mm -hmm. personally. I wasn't like when I say I'm bad, I'm not horrible. But like I do not have a solo voice. But he he heard just enough to where like I, I had clearly not made the choir. And then last minute they just they, they put me in there. So I got to do this incredible tour and sing in Ely Cathedral and, wow. you know, and like have all these amazing, amazing experiences that I would not have had, had I not had the guts to like, yeah. Hey, I know I don't really fit in here, but like, can I maybe just work harder and find a way? But, and, and that's, I guess, kind of a common theme seemingly in your life. Yeah, it is. You know, big time, big time. And I think like, and I'm happy that, that you talk about it here because at least my, I would love for more, especially as you continue to grow and people know you as as a commentator. Like I think that's also what sets you apart, and also why you're in this position that you are today. It's because like you knocked at the door and you like continued to make it happen. Yeah, and it's a hard it's a hard thing to do for a lot of people. Do do you ever have you ever had a moment? In, in the past couple years that, um, I don't know, maybe a fan or someone has reached out that you've been able to kind of guide with that experience? Because I'm sure, because that for me, I think is one of the most valuable lessons that you could that you can give to anybody. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's been really gratifying to have people, you know, reach out and ask for advice. It almost feels weird because I don't, I didn't really, it's not like I sat back and planned on how to mm -hmm. I just it was literally just a day at a time and doing my very best and you know I would 
like I would say yes to everything that they would offer me in the beginning. I'm trying to be a little bit more picky now because I want to spend more time with my family. But in the beginning, I knew that it would be really important to just prove that I would do anything they asked and anything they asked me to do, I would do like to the nth degree. And I don't know. I just think that people respond to the passion that they see that you have for something, the passion, the work. I wish I I need to sit down and probably better articulate it, better wrap my mind around it because there's a lot of people that work really hard mm-hmm. and still don't yeah. get what they want. And that's the reality is like, I can sit here on a podcast and say, just don't give up. Right. And that is a big part of it. Don't give up. But the reality is there's a lot of people that continue to try and it still doesn't work for them. So have I figured out exactly why I was able to make it work? I think there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different factors and some of them were out of my control, but the ones that were in my control, that's the keys. The one that, the ones that were in in my control, I, there was no way I was going to leave any stone unturned. So little things like going and getting my judge's license, really not required, really doesn't come up that often as being particularly important to have a particular, a, a, a specific skill set or knowledge of that. And frankly, everyone on the broadcast is pretty knowledgeable about yeah. it. But at the time, there wasn't anybody that had actually taken the time to go mm-hmm. become a licensed judge. And I didn't really know if that would matter at all. But I was like, well, it's something I can do that other people haven't done before. And that would be something, it would be a paste of paper I could hold up, you know? Yeah. So I took the time and the money, and it was a lot of time and a decent amount of money to like make it happen for myself. So even though I didn't see a direct, like, no one ever said, hey, if you, if you go do this, like, this will help. I just, I was literally going to do everything I could possibly yeah. think of to make it better. Well, I think it also then is it just added cherry on top of like proving why you're here. You know, like you, I always felt like before, before they, they gave you the fight nights and the pay-per-views, like it was a lot of like, you know, you needing to really, really prove yourself. Uh And then, and I think something, I think that's a great example, but like the judge's license, especially now where everybody talks about judging every single weekend, it feels Mm like, um, to be able to say like, I'm the only one on the panel with the judge's license kind of sick and also like i think especially with the goal of like legitimizing yourself amongst perhaps new fans or whatever it might be that that i i hope that they if it's if it's this podcast or something else that they know that because it also shows your dedication to the craft yeah and it it goes back to like it also partly goes back to i just have to be sure that i'm not saying something incorrect so like you know I just, I just, I wanted to make sure that I dotted every I and I crossed every single T that I possibly could. And that was just one that was, that made sense for me to do, I guess. But there's always been a, I don't know, I've always, (laughs) if I would ever write a book, I would probably entitle it like perpetually underqualified and delusionally confident. Like that's really been the theme of my life. (laughs) It's been perpetually underqualified and delusionally confident. And hardworking. That would be the subtitle. Like, I, the, I don't know what it is about me that I see something that is hard to do and it just makes me want to do it. Well, so, okay, so then now are there new hard things that you want to do that you, like, 
because knowing you, you're not going to just like, you know, kick your feet back and like yeah. hope that I can do a couple more. We talked about earlier. Yeah, of course you want to do more pay-per-views and more. There, but I'm sure that there's more that you want to do. I think, it, you know, honestly, I think at this phase for me, it really is more about um, doing more more meaningful stuff, if that makes sense. I think like... It is. It, it actually has kind of shifted a little bit for me to less of an approach of like I'll do I'll do anything they ask me to do, and more like I'm going to do the things that that mean something to me, and then the rest of it like it's okay that I don't do everything. Because there was a while where it would stress me out, like if I wasn't getting every opportunity, you know. And it's kind of nice to be at a point in my life where I'm just a little bit more satisfied, and you know I. My life outside of the UFC is more important yeah. than the one in it. I mean, even though it really is the center of it really is the center of my life outside of my family, but my family right. is the center of my life. And so I I look forward to the day honestly when I can like watch all these pay-per-views just as a fan and be like, "Oh, remember when I used to do that?" <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think there's a there's a time frame on it? I don't know. I don't know about that. I I think, you know, I will say this. As my son gets to a certain age, he's, he'll be 10 in a few weeks. Like, I don't want to miss. Yeah. I don't want to miss stuff. I already miss too much stuff. I try really hard not to, but I don't want to miss a lot of stuff. And the time that we have left with him at home is, man, it's scary that yeah. it's like we're halfway there, you know? And so... I don't know that I'll ever will just be like, peace out and, you know, ghost town. But I would like to get to a point where I eventually start like dialing back a little bit and being able to spend more time at home um, than I do now. But we're not there yet. Still have, still have things to conquer. Do you, does your son have a, a grasp on like all the cool badass uh, things you've been able to do yes recently and no like yes and no like any kid you know he's just kind of it's always just been there so mm -hmm. it's not new to him but he really it really it's funny how it makes him react like i can't decide if he loves it or hates it when like a bunch of fans approach me oh <laughs> it's kind of overwhelming for him and he gets really like almost defensive yeah and then he gets mad that they don't want pictures with him in it. <laughs> oh, love that energy, to be honest. Yeah. And <laughs> and then he'll just be like, and then he'll just, then he'll just be, be like, um, she's busy, guys. She's with her family. And he'll just sort of like pull, pull me off. So it, it is funny seeing him like react to certain moments like that. Uh, there was, we, we were in, I brought them to uh, London with me this summer and I was working the desk and... I, they didn't have like any special wristbands, but I told Nathan and Burke like where the ESPN desk was. Yeah. And it was pretty easy to get to. Like you just had to walk through the stands and there was a security guard obviously that was like blocking off the stage. So they approached the stage and the security was like, guard was like, you guys can't go past here and da, 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 da. And I was like, no, no, that's my son. And he told me later, he goes, mom, when you, when you said, that's my son. It's like I felt like I was ten feet tall. Oh, that was the coolest that, thing. That's ever. so cute. So apparently, I just need to like tell off more security <laughs> guards. I don't know. 
That's adorable. Yeah, it was cool. It does, was cool. Does he have any interest in UFC? Not really. No. Doesn't care? No. I mean... He doesn't watch fights? He'll watch... No, I shouldn't say... He, he, no interest in doing it whatsoever, um, which I'm fine with. Probably a little happy about, actually. Um, he likes watching, but, you know, it's like anything that... They're on a lot at my house, especially a Saturday. You know, there's like six hours where he's like... Oh fights again you know yeah he's just he likes the big fights and you know who he really likes is tom aspinall Loves no tom way aspinall because he met him oh several times when they were in london oh and was that the fight well this summer yeah it was it was tom's fight with uh his Marchie. first fight back yes his first fight we back. knocked him out quick yeah. right yeah so that whole week like because he's a heavyweight, he was yeah. still coming down to breakfast so we'd see him in the morning and my <laughs> yeah. husband would talk to his, tom's dad and like we kind of you don't really like get to know someone, but you know you run into him a lot he seems in like that in that fighter too. hotel. Such a nice guy. The whole I mean, and his dad is a delight. And so I think it was the first time Brick had like kind of a connection with. And so yeah, he's a huge Tom Aspinall fan, huge fan. So do you think Tom Aspinall's what do you think is gonna happen this weekend? Well, I mean, you should ask my son because he would what tell is, you that he yeah, would, Burke's yeah, first round knockout. Yeah, of course. No, I do. Um, I can't pick the fights because I'm working the fights, but I will say this: I think Tom Aspinall has a skill set that is extremely rare yeah. at heavyweight yeah. and about the only person that you can point to um with that round of a skill set is john jones but i think that there are there's still for me there's still a lot of questions about what john looks like at heavyweight i was about to say that because everybody i feel like a lot of people are just sort of taking who he was at light heavyweight and plopping him into a new weight class that could very well be in fact I might even say that that is the more likely scenario. However, we don't really know. We don't know. I thought from the two kick, like one or two kicks that it he threw, he looked a little slow and a little. Yeah. I think Cyril Gon was. It that that fight happened about as perfectly as it could have for yeah. for John. Yes. But like, I genuinely think if this Stipe fight would have happened or will still happen, I think Stipe is very very live. Like he moves Live very, sure. very quickly. Yeah. Like he's a natural, he's a natural heavyweight. We just don't know. We just don't John. know. Do you think he's, know. do we think that fight's ever going to happen? Yes, I do. I think it will. What do you I'm think? really bummed it didn't happen. This yeah, weekend. me too. But I mean, the fact is that like that, that fight feels, it's not that there's no meaning behind it. There is definitely meaning behind it. And John Jones to me is the greatest of all time, regardless of anything yeah. else. I, yeah. To me, he's the goat and there's no question. Um, but that fight between between he and Stipe felt very much like this fight is about legacy. This mm -hmm. fight is about really cementing who is not just the greatest of all time, but the greatest heavyweight of all time. And because you can make an argument that even though John only would have fought there for two fights, if he beats the greatest heavyweight, then, you know, what's that make you? Yeah. This fight between Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich feels like the best two heavyweights that we have on the roster fighting. Outside of John Jones. Outside of those two. <laughs> but again, like I, I don't we don't really know. Yeah, we don't know. And and Stipe's been off for a bit too and is not I'm I'm gonna say probably not at his peak anymore. Yeah. I think you know, I think Stipe's peak was probably a few now that's all to say he's still not he is the greatest heavyweight of all time. So it's like it's I, I right. almost want to take the greats and put them over here and yeah. be like, yeah, but look at like these are the guys that are gonna run the division for 
the foreseeable future. What fight are you most looking forward to? That one. Again? I mean, there's a lot of really good ones. The Matt, the, Matt Favola. And I was just going to say, Benoit Santini, that fight's going to be bananas. <laughs> also, I think Matt Favola's, I was at the Garden last year, his walkout song, the, like the Narcos theme music, uh-huh. and the way that the Garden loves all Long Island guys yeah. is uh, is amazing. Thoughts on the my, when well, my good friend Dennis Bazuki is fighting his, da- his second fight. Um, curious to get your thoughts, well, without a pick, yeah. on how that's going to go down based off of your analysis. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I, had, I don't even know who he's fighting. I haven't looked at that Lumbers. fight yet. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a good fight. Um, that's a tough one for that's him. That's a tough one for him, yeah. That is a tough one for I, him. I almost, I could probably say it. Danny's his manager, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a little confused by it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like... I think probably the situation was that that was the only option for MSG and Dennis wanted to fight MSG Mm because he's a New York guy. But like Jamal Emers is like, he's a tough cookie. He fought fought that uh, the Emirati fellow Mm -hmm. who was very hyped and took away his his shine. Yes, that was a tremendous performance. Yeah. That was really good. No, Dennis definitely has a a tough fight ahead of him, but he's... He's he's tough. I mean, you just never know. And honestly, this is the type of this sounds silly to say, but like that building does something to certain people. Yeah, I agree. And I could see that being that way for him. There's like another level of I will not be stopped. More back to you. Is there a building or a venue or a specific card or a fighter that you really want to call before mm. it's all said and done? Oh, that's a great question. That's a really good question. John Jones MSG. I, I don't know. know how many. I don't know how many fight. I think <laughs> right? he's got like one more fight left. Right. You know. I think. Well, the the reality will be that it won't be anything domestic because that'll always be Rogan in DC. So it's gonna have to be one of these like international pay per views. I'm not sure how how much longer Rogan is gonna be doing it. You think so? I don't know. I think he loves it. I think he loves but it. But I think there comes a point. I think he loves it. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be like another. 15 years. years. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it'll be anytime soon, though. Because I think, I mean, clearly he doesn't need any No, I don't think anybody. he needs any money. I think, he just <laughs> I think he's so fine. Much. But so, so that being said, it would probably end up being another international pay-per-view, which is fine. So maybe another, you know, Australia card. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to, I would love to call a Volkanovsky fight. I love, like, I... I've worked at the desk for several of his pay-per-view fights. And so I've done like really deep dives on his fighting style. And I could like geek out about that. I mean, the truth is, if it's a pay-per-view, it's going to be something that I'm going to want to call. But I would love, I would love a grappling heavy, you know, So you can shine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, it's also just like what I, what it's what I love watching. It's what I love doing. And yeah, I could, you know, look cooler <laughs> do you do you ever feel like you're always gonna be like you have to always do the contender series because it's like it's like your show that's a that's a great question <laughs> and that is i'm sure that's been thought of it's been it's so even this even this year when i missed one i was like this feels weird yeah. this feels weird i've never missed a single episode but you know at some point i have to like i don't know i don't know i there will definitely come a time because the truth is like that season four is really hard on my family and it's really hard yeah, on me and yeah, it's really yeah. hard on my son. And like, I always miss his first day of school, which yeah. as he gets older is less of yeah. a big deal, but 
I don't know. I could I could foresee a situation where it's more of a rotation between Paul and Bisping and DC and myself and less of like me on all of them. But maybe, I don't know. Do you, you have a business background. Do you have mm-hmm. any interest in other businesses and other ventures and life on, on the side as well? You know what I would really like to do more of is like, I really would love to do more, get involved with more uh, charities. Oh. Yeah. I think I'm kind of past... If, if I get involved in a business, it'll be my husband's business, which is, there's plenty to, you know, if I wanted to jump in there, I would. What field is he in again? He owns a company that makes auto parts for Tesla, Ford, Chrysler, oh, like shit. all the big, yeah. So is it, where is it lots based? of people are driving around with a little piece of Sanko on their car. What, yeah, which- uh, They're in Detroit. What, is it, what specific parts? So um, some ones that people would know, like the- when the when Jeep came out with their new Wrangler like three years ago, there was a new tire carrier on the back. They don't make the tire, but they make the the thing that holds the thing that holds the tire, the tire and the camera, and the brake light. They design it, produce wow. it, and then just ship it to Jeep. Like it's really interesting. I obviously didn't know anything anything about the auto industry, but really, whoever whatever company you're talking about, they don't really make their own parts for the most part. They have tier one manufacturers who make them and then it's assembled at interesting or wherever i geek out over stuff like this like does he did he start the company he did yeah this is like his fifth company that he started he's oh wow yeah what's and it's interesting because did he leave or exit the other ones yes what were the so (laughs) he's got as if this is okay to talk about no it is he would be a way more interesting podcast (laughs) subject than i ever am he started a company right out of college like he's never oh. had a boss which is part of the reason well, why he's well, got I, the attitude he does <laughs> i i love i love that he's never had a boss um never worked for anyone his whole life it's the dream so he uh when he graduated from school he went to arkansas got a, got a business econ degree and he started a company that he invented a way to turn chicken shit into cattle feed so like he grew up his dad's a large animal veterinarian which is why we have cattle because that's yeah. kind of how we got um, he just grew up around it, but he was amazing at finding business to business type of opportunities yeah, yeah. where you get paid on both ends. So imagine like you go to a chicken house, they pay you to pick up the poop. Mm-hmm. Then he would process it and take all of show. the bad stuff out, all of the things that make it smell bad. But interestingly, like chickens have a really inefficient digestive system. So there's still tons of protein and carbohydrate that their body did not take and they just pooped it right out because their digestive system, I think, is way too fast. But it smells terrible. And there's obviously stuff in it that you have to take out. So he would basically make it, clean it to where it was just the good stuff, the protein, the carbohydrate, whatever. And then he would pelletize it and mix it with molasses and like things to make it and Mm. apple and stuff like that, things to make it smell good. And it would turn into um, cattle feed. But you would get paid. Wow! No, on both ends. I can already. Yeah. And then what happened with that? That was actually going well. It was a smaller business, but you Most know he's, like he's only local. like twenty-two. Um, what happened, interestingly enough, with that is, do you remember when Oprah um, said the thing about how like she'll never eat a burger again because it was when <laughs> yeah, mad cow yeah. disease, I which think. we never had mad cow disease in the United States ever. But the media decided that that was a really interesting okay. story to talk about because <laughs> yeah. there were a few cases in the UK. And then as a reaction, the United States government said that feeding any animal product to another animal was all of a sudden illegal. So 
like overnight he was out of business fucking oprah yeah i know fucking oprah <laughs> <laughs> wow oprah and her big mouth. yeah you know she doesn't even know didn't anything even about know anything nope um so very then he had to pivot and into what would he go into after when he went into he kind of took a similar process and he recycled so this was back when like recycling was so big like new. recycling yeah back when recycling was like a new thing yeah late 90s <laughs> yeah yeah um mid 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 to late 90s um he recycled all of the green waste for the whole metropolitan of chicago oh wow and man does he have some cool stories there oh, i can't like, even imagine threatened by the mafia the mob. yeah because the mob runs oh, all yeah. that oh yes <laughs> oh thing. wow yeah, oh, yeah no the mob was probably very unhappy to see anybody come in and try to they were well because they also controlled the mob always controlled the unions yep the trash, and the construction and the, the trash the trucking yep. anything related so like if they see any yeah. any little white boy that's trying oh, yeah. to take over this business farm kid from farm- freaking kansas shows <laughs> no. up thinking he's lucky he's, he's alive to be honest he, he honestly is but what's really funny about it is so like one day it was you know like we're gonna fucking send you home in a box if you don't yeah. blah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was, and he was just, like oh well in that case you know um but then not long after that <laughs> so he was like the company was going really well but he's never been a guy who would take his success and spend a ton of money and buy fancy things so he was still driving like a piece of shit truck and living in a really crappy apartment and eating peanut butter and jelly um and his the same mob guy mafia whatever you want to call him called him one day and he's like come, you know come down here it was the guy that did all the trucking for him and so he i remember him telling me he's like he's like i wasn't sure if i was like gonna get shot or what well, like i don't know what what's happening here long i won't belabor the story but he ended up he's like have you ever been to a bulls game and nathan's like no but like he's and he's a huge basketball fan he ended up sitting courtside for michael jordan's it was the utah jazz michael jordan oh my god in chicago and he, was, he hit that he game winner side like he's like my feet were touching the court and he's like someone told me how much the tickets were worth it was like twenty five thousand oh dollars a piece and he's like i wanted to sell it so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. true businessman <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah and what did the guy want? He wanted a favor in return, or no? I think Nathan had done something for him, so oh. it was like a nothing, wow. nothing nefarious, yeah. nothing nefarious. I think he had like, yeah. I don't know, had <laughs> probably, probably just given into his demands. Yeah, so he's like, yeah. here, here you are, good boy. You know? Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you would not? Ne- did you guys have you guys ever worked together? Kind of. I mean, not directly. We. So after he sold that was when he moved to Kansas City and where I met him was okay. in Kansas City. So that was another situation where like the business was great, but then pol- Chicago politics got involved. And again, overnight through no, like he wasn't mismanaging the company. It was doing great. Um, it was, they shut down the recycling program because it was a political, mm-hmm. like the mayor didn't like it because it was so-and-so's idea type of thing. So again, overnight he was shut down. Um Anyway, and then ended up moving to KC and became an angel investor, and that's where I met him. Gotcha. So there, I guess there was a period of time. We never really, like, worked directly together, but when I was doing the early stage, early stage venture right. capital stuff right. is, like, how I knew him. And so it was definitely more of a professional. We went to a lot of, like, events together and would look at deals together. So in that sense, we kind of did, yeah. And that was when, that was when you were in 
in, in New York or you did, so you did venture in I KC as well? I started in KC. Okay. And then the reason I moved to New York was because one of the companies I was representing um, got funded and they wanted me to move out, move out here. So, yeah. And as we were saying before, you'll never move back. I just, I mean, listen, the city's got an energy like no other, but it's so, it's, everything is so difficult here. It's so difficult. Like we're building a house right now. And that's what Where? I was thinking about on our land. Okay. And I was just like, I don't know how people, no. how do people oh my God. build things here? How do people redo their house? Like, how do you move a piano? Like everything here is just so much. <laughs> yep. And I remember it from living here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a great city. I don't mean to shit on it. Like New York's unlike anything else, but the good, you know, the bad comes with the good. What's the se second house just for funsies? So we always had planned on building. Um, it's just that when we got the land, there was a house already on it. And we thought, okay, we'll live here for like two years oh. while we build our dream house. Oh, and two cool. years turned into like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now you're building a dream house. So now we're building the dream that's house. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Congratulations. Thank When's you. When's it supposed to be done? Um, it, It'll be about a year and a half, year to year and a half. Yeah, it's quite the quite the undertaking, but it's it's good. I'm excited for it. It's something we've been working on forever. I also feel like Kansas City is like, it's like a perfect distance from any other, if you want to like go to like a major city, you yeah, can it's go. Yeah, easy. It's easy. And you have like space and... Yeah, have you been there before? I've actually never been. Yeah, it's... It's fun when the like when the UFC came. So many people oh, yeah. were like, "Man, this place is really great." It's bigger than I think most people imagine it right. is. Um, obviously, nothing compared to New York, but it's two and a half to three million people metro. Right. So big enough where you've got everything. You've got major sports, all that type of stuff. Obviously, Chiefs got Taylor Swift now. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Do we have any thoughts on this? You know what's really funny? I think it's we're, annoying. We're or... a very divided house. Oh really? I think it's cute. I think it's and, cute and I'm such a, you know, Travis Kelsey fan and I'm not a, necessarily a Taylor Swift fan. I don't, I'm not like a huge fan of her music or anything, but she seems cool. Yeah. I liked her documentary that, yeah, I find it cute. My husband and my mother-in-law and our nanny are like diehard football fans and they think it's the most annoying thing in the world. It is because like they don't shut up about it. Like yeah. just watch the football. Yes. That's, that would be there. Yeah. Which I get. Yeah. <laughs> On the on the uh, on the topic of manifestation so since you and i barely manifest frequently together yeah, we need we, to we, hang out more we, <laughs> what what is god i haven't even known you for five years yeah in five or ten five or ten years i don't know if you think like that but what yeah. do you where do you hope it's you're really at ev at every level it's i really know it, I, and i feel that it's yeah. it's interesting like even just feeling your energy like i feel like it's changed and in a lot of ways i think it's it's beautiful because I think you also probably realize this is just my interpretation, mm -hmm. like family over everything. Yeah. And on a personal level, you've accomplished a lot of the things that you wanted to, even that we spoke about yeah. a couple years ago. So like, I feel like the, but then at the same time, right. You're like, speaking of, of your son, it's like, in seven, eight years, he goes to college. I so know. then, I so then wanna, what, like, I know I don't want to like not do anything. <laughs> no, I, I think in a perfect world, I, I'm always going to want to be involved in this sport in yeah. some way or another. And yeah. so in a perfect world, a perfect, perfect world, I would still be able to do some work for the UFC. Um, ESPN is great because, or I'm sure other networks, because the ESPN deal will be up, but I think in a couple of years, two years. 
so I might be referencing the wrong network, but like the the part network partner is always a good person to kind of get in with because they're not probably not covering every single fight night. Like yeah. point being, you could still be involved in the sport and not be working every weekend. Not that I am now, but I'd like to still be involved just traveling less. Yeah. Um, and I want I just want to be able to like be be the best wife and the best mom and best friend that I can be. That's one thing I've tried really hard over the last like year to when I can do a better job of it is to really be there for my friends because there's so many things I miss. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of get togethers and lots of birthdays and stuff like that. So when I am home and I do get to be with them, I try really hard to like be super, super right. present and make an effort to go out of my way to like, just know, let them know how much I appreciate them and really foster like deep, deep connections with the people in my life. I have a little bit of a hot take. Okay. Drop it like it's hot. (laughs) I think I could see this. When the top of the UFC brass becomes a little bit less of a fraternity, Mm -hmm. I could see you stepping in into like, when Hunter decides to step down kind of energy. That's interesting. I could see you as like, what is he, VP, whatever, president. I could see you at like doing that. Because technically speaking, A, why not? Yeah. And B, and especially when, I'm sure that in the next 10 to 15 years, I have a feeling Dana's going to want to do it for a long time, but Mm -hmm. maybe at some point he's like, "Ah, I just want to chill. Like, we'll see a new changing of the guard and who better to yeah. step in than someone who knows the sport inside out, who has a business background, who knows the entire talent, the entire roster, mm-hmm. and has been in the company for, at that point, 10 or 20 years. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have thought about whether there would be, you know, a role that would make sense at the UFC. That's definitely something I'd be open to. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm after Hunter's job because that man... <laughs> That man has so much stress in his life. Oh, I get it. I'll hard pass on that. <laughs> I'll hard pass on that. But I know what you're saying. Like it, it, it would be cool to be to continue to be involved with the company in some way, shape, or form. If even if it's not in like a forward facing broadcasting type role, I totally know. I totally get what you're saying. Think about think about that resume too. At the, when it's all all said yeah. and done, literally everything. I mean, yeah. you're already like on a personal level. I'm I'm just happy for you. Like, I think it's, it's all, it's all deserved, like more, it's, it's just earned, like, you know, and I think that for me, it's been so cool, um, to see it from, you know, as your friend and and outside looking in, um, and see you do exactly what you said you would do a, and then also, um, B do it so well. And I'm, I'm very excited to see, you know what these next next years come as we yeah. as we enter those stages. Well, I feel the same way about you. I mean, I it's 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 cool seeing you grow, you know, well beyond the first conversations we were having were about internships and like where should I do that, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it, about that. yeah, it's really cool to see you just find the things that you're passionate yeah. about and I have no doubt that you'll be successful with whatever you, you know, decide to do and I'm excited about your latest venture. So it it is it is funny like 
for as much as social media really sucks sometimes, like I never would have known you it's true. without Instagram. It's true. And it's random. I mean, it's, it was, it's, I, I think I, I'm, DM'd you or yeah. emailed you or something or you found your email from DM Which, or something like that. I don't even like remember what, you're, what you initially were I think contacting I, me about. I think it was to get you on my show mm-hmm. and I think it was a long time ago and I forget, I, this three, four years ago and then I think during COVID actually made it easier because everybody was stranded mm-hmm. at home um, and and yeah, that was kind of when I was first starting out and where podcast was my main focus and and now a lot of other business ventures that I'm very excited about and, of course, love to do the podcast. But, um, yeah, it's it's weird how how things happen. Yeah. And, and honestly, too, I will say, like, over the past couple years, the periodic just, like, check-ins, like, it's so cool to be able to, you know, as, as someone who's young and trying to make their own career and find exactly what it is that they want to do – you know, to have someone periodically like to, to see you kind of check off and move up and mm. do things that you thought were maybe hard or impossible to do, I think is very eye-opening um, for me, especially when, you know, a lot of what you were talking about with like, am I going to be able to do this? It's out of your control, a lot mm-hmm. of it. So that, you know, is also an eye-opener. You know, yeah. is, is understanding like how much control do you want to give to other people? And when other people have control, what do you do? Yeah. And I think you're a fantastic example of you gave yourself every single opportunity so that when those decisions that were in the hands of others uh-huh. were on the table, they then looked at you because of all the work that you had and the foundation that you had laid. Yes. Exactly. So um, I thank you for that. And I thank you for, for coming on today yeah, once again, all the way, all the way me. to Brooklyn. Um, and it's always a pleasure to see you. And thank you for the pie. Yeah. It was good, really no? Good. It was so good. Anyways, thanks, Laura. Thank you. Felix, Amazing. appreciate it.